Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode's probably going to sound a lot different than my other episodes. I'm actually recording this outside the library right now. Um, I had a studio time, I thought, for 6.30 tonight. I changed it. I don't know why I did that. I changed it to 12 o'clock to 12.30. Um, I missed my time. My point is, so I had to improvise. Um, I'm recording this podcast outside, so I found a pretty quiet area. It's actually pretty peaceful. There's like a lot of students walking by and stuff, but it's pretty quiet for the most part. Hopefully, the mic quality is not too bad, and this might be a little bit of a shorter episode than usual just because I don't feel too comfortable recording this outside. It's kind of weird just looking around and having people walk around me as I stand over a little portable mic. So let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I guess that's going to be the whole intro. I guess I'm just going to one take this thing um, because I don't have the proper setup that I normally do. And this isn't going to go quite as smoothly as it will, but we're going to work through it. Hope you guys still enjoy the episode. We're going to be talking all things NFL this episode. No NBA content in this one. Uh, We're just going to start with some games that happened last week, week 13. And then we're going to be previewing some games that are coming up in week 14 because it is a really, really good week for NFL action. But let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. They played Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. It feels like a long time ago at this point, frankly, because it was depending on when you're listening to this, that could have been, you know, upwards of a week ago. But It was a hell of a game against Dallas for the Seattle Seahawks. They just came up a little bit short in this one. They needed more from their defense, but we saw basically everything we could have hoped to see from DK and Geno Smith. If you are a Seahawks fan, that is just, they were playing incredible, incredible football. Uh, But now, you know, them losing this game and getting swept by the Rams, um, not only, you know, losing that week one matchup, but then losing this later weeks, um, you know, it's looking far worse for this team. Not only are the Rams still alive and they still have to worry about them, but they still have to play the Niners and the Eagles coming up on their schedule. Luckily, they have the Eagles at home, but still going on the road for the San Francisco 49ers after just playing them a couple weeks ago. And honestly, kind of getting killed in that game it wasn't too close of a game the score was a little bit deceiving of how close that game was and even then the score wasn't that close um the spread is currently at 10 and a half points in favor of san francisco not really surprising there still uh, i really like seattle i mean i'm I'm not saying i'm a fan of the team but i'm a fan of a lot of their players i really like the story that's geno smith has i love kenneth walker if you listen to me through last year's draft process you know that that is the case and i really hope this team squeezes into the playoffs because again as a bears fan i really don't want the vikings or the packers to make it i would much rather see seattle make it into that final spot but it's very clear this team still has you know to progress defensively, there's still a lot of holes, um, especially in the secondary. You know, Tariq Woolen had a great rookie year, has come back down to earth a little bit. Devon Witherspoon is very, very versatile, but still has some flaws in the game, uh, in his game, excuse me. At the end of the day, he is still a rookie. Dak Prescott was playing really, really well in this game, as he has all season long, but it just looks too easy at times for this Dallas's, for this Dallas offense, excuse me. And I was, you know, worried that Geno Smith was, you know, not going to look as healthy in this one. He suffered the elbow injury against the San Francisco 49ers uh, on Thanksgiving week. That didn't really seem to be a factor in this game at all. And honestly, the Seattle Seahawks offensive has looked really impressive at times. They definitely do miss miss, miss Kenneth Walker. Um, I think that, you know, they'd prefer to have him and Charbonnet out there 
Um, not at the same time, but, you know, they prefer to have both of those guys. Kenneth Walker cannot be slept on how valuable he is to this team. Zach Charbonnet did very well in his absence, don't get me wrong, but definitely not the same type of running back. Um, and, you know, you want your team at your best. They want Kenneth Walker bad back badly. And before you know it, you know, with San Francisco coming up with Philadelphia after that, this team could be 6-8 and eight on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. And for the NFC North's sake, I really hope they find a way to make it in. You know, hopefully, I don't know who they'd upset of those two teams, but again, a brutal schedule for the Seattle Seahawks. And just a team that's looking for a little bit more to make it over the hump, but got to give DK Metcalf and Geno Smith their credit. They had a fantastic game in this one. DK Metcalf having one of the best games honestly, of his entire season, of his entire career, frankly, with three touchdowns over 140 yards. And a lot of them came against Deron Bland, who was playing like an all-pro level cornerback. So DK Metcalf, a week after being clamped up by Chavarius Ward, who he himself is playing at an all-pro level and I think is incredibly underrated, uh, DK bounced back in a big way against a very big-time matchup in Deron Bland. Up next, let's move on to the Broncos. They finally lose a game after winning five straight and kind of winning in remarkable fashion. It seemed like Russell Wilson was pulling out miracles in the fourth quarter each and every single week, and he damn near did it again, but this Houston secondary was just a little too much. Derek Stingley having one of, if not the best game of his entire career. Um, Jimmy Ward making the interception at the end of the game was extremely clutch and needed to happen when it did. Um, so Houston really controls their fate in the AFC race now. Obviously, it really hurts that Tank Dell is now out for the season, and a lot of criticism has been pointed to the play call and why Tank Dell was even on the field. I got to say, I kind of agree with it. When you have a 160-pound receiver and you're trying to run the ball up the middle, a power play, why is he even on the field in that case? And, of course, now he is out for the season, which is just really unfortunate because he's been electric. Um, in his rookie year to start off his career. I really emotioned him the best because I personally slept on him through the draft process. I still had him ranked. Uh, I believe he was my ninth ranked receiver. So if you follow me on Instagram, you can go back and check that out. I'm um, sorry if you can hear that airplane a little bit above me. There is an airport near UCSB's campus, if you don't know that already. Um, but either way, Tank Dell going down really does hurt. Nico Collins stepped up huge in his absence 191 yards on nine receptions just absolutely unguardable at times he had an additional touchdown as well so really impressive game there from nico collins and their defense again stepped up in crucial moments when they needed it not only did they have those three interceptions um two coming from stingley and one coming from jimmy ward to end the game and ice the game uh they also held the broncos to 0 and 11 on third down so again making the plays when they mattered most. Heartbreaker for Broncos fans, they're still very much alive in the AFC playoff pictures and 100% have some winnable games coming up. They still play the Chargers twice. Uh, they still have Vegas on their schedule. So there's absolutely a way where the Broncos can still make the playoffs. Um, but again, just a heartbreaker for the for the Broncos in general, you know, on that crazy miraculous run that they were on. And Houston, just continue to find ways to win. C.J. Stroud continues to deal. This has to be like one of my favorite teams in the entirety of the NFL this year just because who would have thought? Definitely not me. I loved Arizona for making that trade for them because I thought the capital they were going to get back from it was going to be a potential top five pick, sort of like what we're seeing going on with the Bears and the Panthers right now. But 
trading up for Will Anderson, you know, drafting CJ Stroud. This team has really made a lot of really incredible moves. By the way, Will Anderson really coming on in the last month. He was another guy on top of Derek Stingley that had a very good game for Houston's defense. Up next, let's talk about the Cardinals because I did not see this game coming at all. Of course, there were some things that weren't going in Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's favor already. But to start with the Cardinals really quickly, I mean, Trey McBride has just completely come into his own, especially in the last couple of weeks since Kyler Murray has gotten back there. Frankly, he has looked absolutely unguardable at times. And there's drives where he just takes over the game. It really is impressive what he's been able to do. He was a guy that I really liked coming out of college, but I never know. Excuse me. I never knew he was going to hit this type of ceiling. And if he can keep this going, I mean, this, this guy really is the limit for this guy. He is playing fantastic football and Kyler Murray, obviously playing for his job. You know, there's a chance that they bring in some new talent to compete with him because not only is he under a massive contract and coming off of that injury, but there's some really, really good talent coming up in the draft, as we know, between Caleb Williams, Drake May, and the Cardinals are still sitting there. Even despite this win, they're still sitting there with the top five pick. They could definitely, you know, be aggressive. They also have future capital to go up and trade up for someone like a Caleb Williams if they want to do that. You know, just saying if the Chicago Bears have the first overall pick, they decide to stick with Justin Fields. You know, what's stopping the Arizona Cardinals from trading a future first or two going up and grabbing Caleb Williams? Me personally, I would absolutely love to see that. I really hope that the Bears don't move on from Justin Fields because, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But let's get back to the Arizona Cardinals um, and just this game in general. The Steelers offense looked much improved in this one again. Uh, in the first half, they were really slinging it quite well. Um, sorry if there's a little bit of background noise right here. There's some two two gentlemen walking by me right now. <laughs> but hopefully you can still hear me fine. Either way, the Steelers' offense looked much improved again. There were splash plays not only coming from George Pickens, but by both running backs. And they just couldn't execute when it mattered most. Once they got down in that red zone area, you know, they were settling for field goals. Credit the Arizona Cardinals because they made – excuse me, <clears throat> a very big fourth down goal line stop um, on the Steelers' second possession, I believe it was. And then from then on out, you know, the weather delays and then Kenny Pickett going down for the second half of this game. It kind of just got away from the Steelers. But even before, you know, the injuries happened and the weather got really bad, the Steelers just couldn't execute when it mattered most. And I got to give credit to this Cardinals defense. They stepped up when it really mattered. And again, just the outlook or sorry, the um What's the word I'm trying to say? The outcome. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. The outcome of this game, I just never would have seen coming in a million years. Obviously, I had Steelers minus five and a half as one of my best bets. So, you know, I had to address this game because I just didn't really see this coming at all. Up next, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. Are the Packers going to be in the playoffs? Also, what's wrong with the Chiefs? Is it time to panic for them? Frankly, I don't think it's absolutely time to panic, but there's definitely, you know, a cause for concern. We've known this for weeks and weeks on the Chiefs, and we haven't seen them directly address it. Um, I mean, frankly, between the 20s, the Chiefs were moving the ball incredibly well. You know, Pacheco was running the ball very effectively. The Chiefs were moving the ball between screenplays to Rasheed Rice, you know, Travis Kelsey over the middle, you know what he's going to do. Um, we know how dominant he has been for, you know, 
so many years now. So that's nothing surprising there, but excuse me about that. But in the red zone, they just weren't executing. They couldn't get the points that they needed. Credit Green Bay because they were getting pressure when it absolutely mattered most. They've invested very, very heavily in their front seven between Lucas Van Ness, Rashawn Gary, Devontae Wyatt. You know, all those guys have been first round picks in the last few years. Those guys came up big for them and got to Patrick Mahomes when it mattered most. You know, for the most part, he was under, um, he wasn't under a lot of duress in this game, but once it came down to the red zone and it mattered most in crunch time, they got those plays when they needed them. And again, we know what the problem is with the Kansas City Chiefs. They need more from their wide receivers, particularly when stretching the field deep. I mean, we know that they have a lot of yak guys, Richie Grant, Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice. We've seen incredible yards after the catch ability from all those guys, but they really, really do miss Tyree Kill and those explosive plays. They were able to sneak by it without him last year, especially because a lot of guys were just playing better, frankly. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scanley was really that guy that was stretching the field, especially down the stretch and in the playoffs. We really haven't seen that from him at all. And even when he has, you know, he's missed some of his opportunities. Obviously, that very costly drop against the Eagles is a prime example of that. And it really is just the Chiefs kryptonite because they can do almost anything else. Their defensive line wasn't quite as effective as we're used to them being. um, And they weren't blitzing Jordan Love quite as much. So that was definitely an issue in this game. They weren't getting home as many times as you're expected to see a team like the Chiefs get home. But Jordan Love played an incredible game. And as much as it hurts me to say it, um, you know, He's coming to into his own this past month. He is looking more and more Aaron Rodgers-like. Not only is he seeing the field far better than he was at the beginning of the year, but he's making incredible off-platform throws. He's just executing and doing what Matt LaFleur wants him to. Matt LaFleur now 16-0 in December as a head coach, which is just a crazy stat when you really think about it. And Jordan Love, you know, if he can really turn it on and play the way he played in this game, this is going to be a quarterback that's going to be a guy in the future. As much as it pains me to say it, he still has all the tools in the bag. He is still a fantastic talent. And when he brings it all together, you know, between the ears and cerebrally and reading the field really well, there's frankly not a whole lot that he can um, that he can't do, excuse me, because he is just an incredible talent. And as much as it pains me to say it, you know, he's looking like the future of Green Bay going forward. And it, man. Again, pains me to say it because you guys know I'm a Bears fan. This fucking sucks. Up next, let's go on to the Niners versus the Eagles. This was an absolute absolute masterclass by the San Francisco 49ers. They had a chip on their shoulder, wanted to prove to the world that they can beat this team with a healthy Brock Purdy. And not only did they did that, but they did it, you know, with no regard for the Philadelphia Eagles. They did it with absolute certainty and they put their foot down they put their necks on the Philadelphia Eagles and they showed that the world that they're here to compete this is their year and frankly they look like the best team in the league right now this game you know even before this game you know you can make a very solid argument that they are the best team in the league after this one I don't really think it's an argument right now they truly are playing like the best team in the NFL absolute statement win by the San Francisco 49ers I think the biggest talking point coming out of this game has to be the Eagles defense of course we know how good the San Francisco offense can be when it's clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was hitting at over five yards per carry, which is not what we're used to seeing against the Eagles, especially in past years. They have been very, very good against the run this year. Not quite the same. Um, 
but we know what they can do offensively. My point is, you know, we know Debo Samuel yards after catch. We know the route running with Brandon Ayuk. We know the versatility of George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. But this was truly masterclass. They put it all together in this one. And the Eagles defense was really exposed. I mean, Brock Purdy was not really under pressure in most games or sorry most of the game he was eight for 11 on third down so when it really mattered he was able to get it done they ran for 146 yards as a team and if you look at the eagles for how many yards they rushed they only rushed for 46 yards so very stark difference there jalen hurts injury is also something to monitor i, I have a feeling he's going to be just fine uh, marcus Mariota came in for three pass attempts if i'm not mistaken before jalen hurts came in to finish the game i'm kind of surprised they even put him back in the game at that point it was pretty much out of hand. Um, but again, I think the biggest storyline coming out of this one, because we know the identity of these two teams. We know that these teams, two teams, excuse me, might still meet each other in the playoffs. But the biggest concern for me is really just Philadelphia's defense. And it's on all assets. I mean, I think their linebacker unit was not playing up to par. It's no surprise that they signed Shaq Leonard this past week. Uh, their secondary has not been playing up to standard for some of the names they have back there because obviously we know how good they can be. We've seen big play slay and James Bradbury step up in crucial moments for them. That really hasn't been the case for this for them a lot this year. You know, they've had moments and spurts, but they haven't really all put it together. And then their defensive line, which really is the identity of the defense, is just allowing too many big plays in the run. I still think they're getting to the quarterback efficiently enough, but you really expect those numbers to get better against the run. And if they can do that, then this team is still in Super Bowl contention. But until I see more from them defensively, I think you have to say the San Francisco 49ers are easily the favorites to make it out of the NFC right now. And honestly, you might even put the Cowboys second behind them. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting game. Cowboys-Eagles, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's get into my preview segment for this episode. Again, I'm one-taking this bitch because I don't have the normal setup I would have. I don't even have my proper mic out because... I'm recording this all on my phone right now with my little mobile mics that I interview people with. Hopefully, this one take isn't too chaotic and I'm not rushing through too much. Um, I'm going to do my best to put timestamps down below, but frankly, there's not too much to cover in this episode. It's really just going to be, you know, what I just covered, my preview, and then some trivia to end it out. So let's get into my preview segment. Let's talk about some games in week 14 because there are a lot of great games coming up. All right, guys, so to close up this episode, I'm still recording this outside. Hopefully, the mic quality is not too bad, and hopefully, you guys can hear me all right. I'm sorry if there's a little bit of background noise, but for the last part of this this episode, I am going to be going over my favorite matchups for Week 14. There's a lot of really, really intriguing matchups, a lot of playoff implications. So with Week 13 out of the way and recapping all those games, let's get into the first game I want to cover, and it's actually Jacksonville at Cleveland on paper, you know, it might not sound too interesting. There are two backup quarterbacks playing in this one in C.J. Brethard and Joe Flacco, but both of these teams very much alive in the AFC playoff race. Both of these teams, frankly, have a chance of winning the division, especially in Jacksonville's case. They are in the lead for the division right now. They want to keep a hold of the AFC South, not allow teams like the Colts or the Texans to catch up, which 
especially with Trevor Lawrence's injury, they're quickly on their tail and looking like they're going to be giving them a run for their money in that regard. But again, CJ Brethard likely to start in this game for Trevor Lawrence. The injury report hasn't come out at the time of my recording this. At least I couldn't find the official NFL report. I found some in-teamers reports, but either way, we know Trevor Lawrence dealing with that injury. Another guy that was dealing with an injury and went down in that Monday night game was Walker Little, starting tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a really big deal in my opinion, especially going up against a front as dominant as the Cleveland Browns, obviously led by DPOY candidate in Miles Garrett, might be lining up in his side. Frankly, Miles Garrett can line up anywhere he wants in the field, and he's going to find a, a way to wreck a lot of games. Uh, also worth mentioning, the Browns are looking to bounce back from their loss against the Rams. They got exposed defensively. Miles Garrett, I don't want to say a non-factor, but he didn't have a sack in that game and was you know, held in check for a majority of the game. The Rams did a very good job game planning against him. Matthew Stafford also threw for three touchdowns and over 260 yards. So Cleveland looking to bounce back, obviously known for their defense and their running game. Jerome Ford still finding success, so still worth starting him up in fantasy if you do have him on the roster. But Expect a healthy dose of ETN this game from the Jacksonville Jaguars offensively. Obviously, we haven't seen too much from C.J. Brethard. Very limited action in that Monday night game against Cincinnati. But either way, I really like Cleveland's defense to bounce back in this one. I think they make a statement. I think they keep their playoff hopes alive. I think C.J. Brethard just isn't quite ready, you know. Maybe he won't ever be ready, but not nearly the caliber player of Trevor Lawrence. Obviously a backup for a reason. You know, haven't seen a whole lot of success from CJ Brethard in the league. He's had some moments, but I really just do think that Cleveland's defense is going to dominate in this one. I really think they suffocate Jacksonville. The over-under is incredibly low at 30 and a half points. That's what happens when you get two backup quarterbacks playing in the same game. Either way, um, the line, as I mentioned, currently sitting at three points. I don't see a lot of points being scored in this one, so I'm probably going to be buying an adjusted line. I'll probably end up being one of my best bets for this week. I'll probably buy Cleveland minus two and a half. Just give me half a point, um, buying half a point, just so, you know, in case any weird shit happens, they win by a field goal. I don't want it to push. So that's my thought process there. I really like Cleveland's defense to bounce back, keep their playoffs hopes alive, and Jacksonville to slip down a little bit, possibly a potential for Houston or the Colts to catch up for them in the AFC South race. Up next, let's talk about the other AFC South team, or a other, and other AFC South team, I should say. Colts at Bengals. Both of these teams were just mentioned uh, a second ago, but Jake Browning obviously played very, very well in his first start for the injured Joe Burrow going into Jacksonville and winning in primetime. You know, that's a great, great feat that he did there. Zach Taylor deserves a lot of credit for dialing him up and giving him confidence because Jake Browning, almost perfect on the day, kind of resembling Joe Burrow a little bit, which is how cool, calm, and collected he looked throughout that game. And honestly, this team as a whole has kind of taken up the Joe Cool uh charisma if you will no moment seems too big for this team they really always seem like they're in it in the moment and they are i love the identity of this team just as a whole again a lot of credit has to be given to zach taylor in that regard as well so the main question that comes out of this game is can jake browning keep it going the Bengals are still very much alive in the afc playoff picture obviously outside looking in and especially with joe burrow going down i think a lot of people were counting them out but from the very limited sample size we saw from Jake Browning, he did look very, very good. And, you know, can he keep it going against the Colts? The Colts are another team that are very much alive. In typical Minshew fashion, they won 
a nail biter last week in overtime for my best bet to hit. Hopefully, you guys rode that with me and made some money. But either way, I'm really, really excited to see this game. It's funny that I talked about two games in a row with you know all backup quarterbacks playing, but the AFC is just extremely, extremely tight this year. Obviously, the four teams I've already talked about are all AFC teams. The playoff picture is, you know, the playoffs are just around the corner. The playoff picture is extremely tight between all of these teams. And I'm really excited to see what Jake Browning does in his second career start now with, you know, the week of rest, you know, one more week under his system as the full-time starter and now playing at home. I'm really curious to see what he does with that opportunity. Up next, let's talk about the Seahawks versus the Niners. This is a team we just saw play two weeks ago, actually on Thanksgiving Day. The Seahawks got a pretty good ass whooping given to them. But the Niners now coming off, you know, their biggest win of the season. Could they get caught sleeping against the Seahawks? I think there is potential for that to happen. The Seahawks, you know, coming off essentially a mini bye week since they played on Thursday. They had extended rest and obviously extended team meetings and all that stuff. And then the San Francisco 49ers not only coming off an extremely big and emotional win against the Philadelphia Eagles, but also having having to travel back across the country. That definitely does play a factor. You can't just discount that by any means. Obviously, it's hard to say that the Seahawks are going to straight up win this game. And but don't get me wrong, I don't think they're going to do so in San Francisco. But I will say 12 and a half points is a huge spread for, you know, one of these division rivalry games, these divisional games. You never quite know what's going to happen. They always tend to be pretty close. Um, San Francisco is a different beast. Don't get me wrong. They're honestly undoubtedly the best team in the NFL at least at this given moment they are looking like the best team in the NFL there's just so much they can do right Seattle's defense in particular has been letting them down the last couple weeks last three weeks in particular obviously they're in a little bit of a skid they are playing with their backs against the wall they're now sitting at six and six this is desperation time for the Seattle Seahawks so emotionally there's a lot of emotions going into this game that's really what I'm taking away from it and what I'm thinking going into this game obviously I mentioned it San Francisco coming off a really big win traveling across the country Seattle coming off a really really tough loss a loss that they they almost gave the Dallas Cowboys their first L at home this entire season they gave them a really really good fight just came up a little bit short obviously wishing for a little bit more from their defense their offense did their thing Geno Smith was dealing in that game DK Metcalf was playing out of his mind um, obviously don't have to go over all this because if you've been listening to this whole episode, you already know I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. But again, to close off um, my final thoughts about this game, Seattle is just in absolute desperation mode and San Francisco feels like they're cruising a little bit. Could that lead to an upset? I don't think so. I mean, I don't see how you can count out San Francisco. They're determined that this is their year. They want to bring it all together this year. But same time, 12 and a half points for a divisional game. That's a lot of damn points. Up next, let's talk about the Bills at the Chiefs. Chiefs are currently one and a half point favorites. We've obviously seen some classics from this matchup in the past, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. These teams play each other very, very close. But the question becomes, what's going to happen? What teams are we going to get in this? These are two of the more unpredictable, fluky teams in the entirety of the NFL, especially from the Bills standpoint. Kansas City, it really does feel like we know what they are. We know what they aren't. I mentioned it earlier in this episode, but We know they can scheme guys open. We know they can get yards after the catch from guys like Rasheed Rice, from guys like um, Kadarius Toney, Richie Grant, and then obviously Travis Kelsey is going to work his magic, especially over the middle of the field. That's no surprise there at all. But can they find explosive plays in this offense? It is something they're 
really, really missing. It's clear and obvious they are missing Tyreek Hill. They were able to get by it last year because of guys stepping up like Amarcus Valdez Scanling, uh, especially down the road and in the playoffs. He was making big plays for them down the field. But we've seen him, you know, not come up when they've needed him to. We obviously saw that in the Eagles game a couple weeks ago. He essentially, I mean, I don't want to say cost them the game, but he was a big difference in that game. If that ball is caught, who knows what ends up happening. But point is, we need to see more from the Chiefs wide receivers as a whole. And as far as Buffalo goes, it just really depends on what Josh Allen are we going to get. He's thrown an interception in every game but two. We obviously know him as a gunslinger. He played an incredible game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Even though he did have an interception in that one, it really was a masterclass performance. We've also seen you know, absolute stinker games from Josh Allen this year, including week one against the Jets, just as an example. And it's not just that. It's not just limited to that. He really does have some of the highest highs of any quarterback in the league and some of the lowest lows um it really just depends on what josh allen we're going to get in this one vaughn miller sounds like he's going to be good to go to play in this game despite you know his arrest and what he's dealing with legally i'm not going to comment too much on that frankly because i don't know the details um and i don't really want to get into all of it but sounds like he's going to play he's not on the exempt list uh they're going to let it play out legally and then decide how they're going to discipline him um again i don't know what's true what's not i haven't heard too much about it so i'm not going to touch too much on that if you want to know more about von miller and his arrest and what's going on there feel free to do your own research because i don't really want to get into it in this episode and i don't really you know want to touch on something that i don't know too many details about especially when it it comes to legal issues like that i'd rather just leave it alone but either way um kc has a short week there they played on sunday night on the road in green bay bills coming off of a bye week bills have also lost three out of their last four games. So are they going to be able to take advantage of it? Of course, I mentioned it earlier. They tend to play Kansas City very close. A lot of classic classic matchups we've seen from these two teams. And overall, I'm just, I just can't wait to see this game. And I think it could be – I think so many different things could happen in this game. I, I could see Kansas City winning by 10. I could see Buffalo winning by 10. I could see it being a nail-biter. I could see it going to overtime. There's – name an – Uh, a possible outcome in this game and I could practically see it happen in one way or another up next let's go to the Eagles at the Cowboys this is gonna be the last game I talk about before I get out of here the Cowboys currently three-point favorites over under of 52 points this is another game that I think it's gonna be really really close we saw the Cowboys play the Eagles very very close earlier this year in Philadelphia now the Cowboys have the Eagles coming into town they still are undefeated at home themselves so will the Cowboys continue their dominance at home they're currently six and oh at home this season they've beaten the eagles at home in five straight seasons but don't forget that last year jalen hurts was not playing in that game it was gardner Minshew, and even then it was a very very close game a lot of points scored i expect that to be a trend again in this one i'm riding the eagles over once more uh it hit last week as one of my best bets i was two for three last week hopefully you guys you know put down some cheddar and won some money with me. But I like. I hope that trend continues. I think the Eagles are going to play them really close. Dak Prescott is playing at a legitimate MVP level right now. They're cooking on, you know, I, I was going to say cooking on all cylinders, but that doesn't quite make sense. They're clicking on all cylinders. That makes a lot more sense. Um, and I really just do expect this to be an over. Can Deron Bland bounce back against A.J. Brown? That's going to be another big storyline in this one because obviously A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, not only did those guys go to college together, but they're pretty similar styles receivers in terms of just how big and physical and how many yards they can get after the catch. Can Deron Bland bounce back 
Obviously, he did have an interception last week against the Seahawks, but he was getting picked on pretty consistently, and it wasn't just by DK, by Tyler, too. Obviously, DK had the biggest plays against him. Tyler Lockett did his thing. Jackson Smith and Jigba even had a, a play or two against Deron Bland. So, Deron Bland still playing at an all-pro level. You know, if the season were to end today, he would still more than likely be a first-team all-pro player. But can he bounce back in this one? That's going to be a big storyline to see. One more question. I have coming into this game is will Jalen Hurts be 100%? He obviously had a little bit of an injury in that Niners game, went out for a series. Uh, Marcus Mariota came in for three passes, and then Jalen Hurts ended up coming back when the game was practically out of hand. Frankly, I was kind of surprised he came back in that one. I thought they were maybe just going to you know play it safe and keep him on the bench, but that didn't end up being the case. So will he be 100% in this game? That obviously will play a factor one way or another. And the Cowboys, if they do find a way to win this one, they're going to take the lead in the NFC East just like that. And they might even be competing for a number one seed in the entirety of the NFC. If they can get the home field playoff advantage, that would be massive for this team. Obviously mentioned earlier, still haven't lost a home game. Either way, I'm super, super excited about this game. I really don't know who's going to win it. I mean, Obviously, there's a reason why the Cowboys are favorites, and I think they should be favorites. I think they've earned that line by this point, but I don't think I'm going to be taking it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be surprised if Philadelphia finds a way to win it just because you can't count out great teams, and I really am just looking at the over of 52 points. I think that is a very good bet that you can take if you are you know, looking to do so. So to, re- to recap my three best bets before I get out of here, over in the Eagles once more, I've got Cleveland minus two and a half. And then honestly, I don't really have a third one. Um, I'll come up with one and then I'll post it on Instagram later this week. So you guys will stay, you know, stay tuned on there. You'll see it. If you don't follow me on Instagram, be sure to go follow me. My handle's just Murphy's League. Um, also follow me wherever you listen to this podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, share this with your friends and family. I really do appreciate you tuning in. Again, hopefully the mic quality is not too bad. I am recording this outside um, the library actually here on UCSB's campus. Lovely, lovely campus. Um, if you were part of trivia, thank you so much for tuning in um, and joining me in today's episode but I think that's going to be it for me guys so that's going to be it Um, let's get into some trivia hope you guys enjoy it all right I got three questions for you Brian one more time UCSB student Brian Huynh Huynh thanks for coming on bro Uh, what three players lead the league in scoring or led the league in scoring in the 2010s LeBron LeBron's number one Kobe. Kobe's not up there. Kobe. He retired too early. Oh, I see. I don't know this. I don't got the knowledge. There's one more big time player. He played last night. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. And then this guy's uh, also former MVP teammate of Durant at one point. He gets a lot of hate on social media now. James Harden. James Harden. Yep. Yep. Thanks for the, the hints. Got you. What three players lead the league in scoring this year? Jokic. No. KD. KD, number three. I don't know. There's another former MVP on here. I don't care what this No, it's okay, bro. Um, I'll keep providing the hints. He's known for his playoff chokes. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. And then you got one more, white boy.
It's not Jokic. <laughs> Johnny, don't cheat. I oh, we got this. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Johnny didn't help him at all there. Nope. What three franchises have won the most games since 2010? This is the hardest one. The Lakers? No. They were bad for a while there, especially after Kobe left. Mm. There's two dynasties in here, and then one team that was like considered a super team. Bulls? No. The Heat? The Bulls are up there, though. Heat? Yep. Okay. One of these teams is terrible right now, and the other one just recently like finished their dynasty. Pistons? No. I don't know this. <laughs> Brian, you got this, I believe. I'm terrible at this. No, no, I'm just I'm this. gonna name out the Warriors. Warriors, yep. Okay. You're missing one, one more team. They're really bad right now. The Rockets? No. Oh, you're close though. Geographically, you're close. Spurs? Spurs, yes, sir. And he cleared the gauntlet. Yes. Thank you, Brian, Thanks for so coming much. on. Alright, bro. State your name for the record. Cameron Kramer. Cameron Kramer hopping on, my roommate getting on the podcast. He's going to do the NFL and the NBA trivia for this week. So the NFL one starts a little – honestly, these are easier than last week because a lot of people were struggling. Um, who's leading the league in receiving yards this year? In receiving yards? Um, is it – oh, Tyreek, yeah, right? Tyreek yeah, Hill. Of course. Who's leading the league in rushing yards? McCaffrey? Yep. Yeah. Who's leading the league in passing yards? It's not Stroud, is it? It's Stroud. Stroud? Yeah. Yep. Wow, three for three like that. Who's leading the league in sacks? Daniel Hunter. Nope. No? Nope. No? Okay. Um, let me think. Khalil Mack had like six. Is it Khalil Mack? It's Khalil Mack. Okay. Hey, you okay. You're killing it, bro. Who were the three leaders in receiving yards in the 2010s? 2010s. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown's number two. Okay. Uh, who played for... Is it... Cal- is Calvin Johnson in there? Nah, he didn't play long enough. Okay. Um, shoot, we got Antonio Brown and... There's yeah. one more guy who's still in the league. The other one's retired. It's, it's not Devontae, is it? No. no. Okay. He's up there, though. It's not, it's not Larry Fitz? Larry Fitz is three. Larry Fitz is three. Yep. Okay. You're missing number one. Number one. Who's been doing it for a while? Still playing. Still playing. Even though he's pretty washed, but he's still playing. Oh boy! Give me a little hint. He was. He went to school at Alabama. Alabama. Jeez, dude. Totally blanking. Okay, um, he uh. He went to a Super Bowl, but didn't win. Didn't win. Okay. Only went to one Super Bowl. He's been on three teams, if I'm not mistaken. Four teams. He's been on four teams. Shoot, bro. It's not. But I'm trying to think, what else can I hit you for? Yeah, give me one of his teams. He, he's on the Eagles right now. On the Eagles right now, yeah. Julio. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. That was a that was a little easy hint, but it's okay. Yeah. Who were the three leaders in rushing yards in the 2010s? Adrian Peterson. Yep, number three. Um, is Marshawn in there? Nah. No. Okay. Got AP, LaShawn McCoy. Yep, number one. Okay. And this guy's OG, OG. OG, Frank, Frank Gore. Yup, yeah, yup. There we go. He played in the league forever. All right, we're going to go over to NBA. Okay. What three players led the league in scoring in the 2010s? Bron. Bron, number one. KD. KD, number two. And 
uh, kind of long. Kawhi? Nah. nah. He didn't play enough games. He, yeah. was, he had too many injuries. Yep. Um, Former MVP. Harden. Yep. There we go. Yep. What three players lead the league in scoring this year in terms of points per game? Embiid. Yep, number one. Luka. Number two. Shea? Nah. Giannis? Shea's like four, fourth or fifth. Is he Giannis? Nah. Steph? Nah. Wow, I'm missing somebody. I know Fox is like almost at 30. It's Fox like is like four, I think. Okay. Um, it's not... Shoot. Trying to think of a not obvious. He also won an MVP at one point. Jokic? No. no. Um, he's an MVP? He was, former. He didn't win it for the team he's playing for right now. KD? KD, yeah. I, yep. I thought he was a little lower. Nah, he's, he's still up there. He's still balling. What three franchises have the most wins since 2010? 2010? Yeah. Spurs? Spurs, number one. Warriors? Warriors, number three. It's not the it's not nah, the, no, the Lakers were bad for a yeah. while after Kobe. Spurs, Warriors, is it the Cavs? Nah. No. 2010s. Um let's see, who is always in there? Is it kind of like is it a East or West team? East. East? Is it the Bulls? They were one seed a few No, years. no. No. They've had too many down years. Yeah. Did they make a finals? They made a few finals. Heat. Heat. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Yes, sir. All right, that's all for Cam. Thanks for doing it, bro. Thanks Appreciate for you. Me on. I'll, maybe I'll get you on next week too. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> all right, state your name for the record. Liam Neal. Liam Neal on the podcast. You heard it here first. He wants the NFL trivia. Who's leading the league in receiving yards this year? Tyreek. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yup. Who's leading the league in rushing yards? Oh, fuck. Uh, you got this. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'll give you. If you ask me questions, I'll just say yes or no. I'm not going to give you hints, though. Okay. Not McCaffrey. It's McCaffrey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Don't overthink it, man. Go through yeah, good. Yeah. Who's leading the league in passing yards? This one's hard. Ooh. Maybe, like, not CJ. CJ? Yeah, yeah. CJ straight out. There you go. Damn, good shit. Can you clear it? Who's leading the league in sacks? Oh, fuck. You should know this one, bro. Really? Yeah. It's an obvious one. Yeah. Ooh. For you, it should be. It's a big Oh, game. it's clearly on my yeah, yeah, there you go. He's a Chargers fan for the record. Okay. And then this is like modern history, but who were the three leaders in receiving yards in the 2010s? Ooh, 2010s. AB. AB's number two. Julio. Julio's number one. And... This guy's a legend. You never oh. see a Pitt alum. Pitt alum. Okay. I'm pretty sure he went to Pitt. I could be lying to you. I don't think I am, though. Recently retired. He's known for oh, having crazy hands. Yup, yeah. yup. Who were the three leaders in rushing yards in the 2010s? Mm. 2010s. I feel like LT's too early. A little too early, yeah. He's he's up there for the 2000s. Yeah. 2010s. Oh, God. Maybe uh, LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy's number one. Yeah. Uh, I don't think DeMarco Murray last. No, not ago. quite. Uh, One of these guys has won an MVP. Say that. Ooh. Oh, AP. AP. Yeah. You're just missing number two. This guy was in the league forever. Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. sir. All right, Liam, you passed the gauntlet. I'm going to Venmo you a dollar because you got it all. <laughs>
Fuck it. Liam says he's not doing anything, so we're showing him last week's too. All right, let me pull this up. I got the Google Docs right here. This one's a little harder. A lot of people were fucking this up. All right. Okay. Who was top five? Who were the top five reception leaders of last year? Oh, Jefferson. Jefferson's number one. Uh, Tyreek. Tyreek's number two. Amon Ra. Amon Ra's not up there. He, I think he's like six or seven. Okay. He's just off the okay. list. Top five reception. The rest of the guys are all in the AFC. Kelsey. Kelsey's number three. Uh... Keenan? Keenan? No, no, no Keenan. There's there's another guy though around that vicinity. Uh Devontae. No. Really? Actually, yeah, he's just left off. Oh, Cup. No. Okay. Wait, yeah, he was he was injured last year. But it's someone super underrated. They like they led the league in touchdowns two years, I believe. I've met him. If that, if I've told you, if I've spoiled that, I don't you know. Met him. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you mean like, like geographically near? Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Diego, or like? Yeah, LA? yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays in LA. Wait. It's kind of a. It's like it's a tricky one. Like you wouldn't really think he caught this many balls. Oh, Eckler. Eckler, yep, yeah. yep. And you're just missing number four. Oh fuck! I should have got that. <laughs> that's that's bad. This is another AFC player. Another AFC. And he's on like another powerhouse team. Oh, Diggs. Diggs, yep. Yep. Okay, this is a. I think a lot of people were getting this last time too, so hopefully you can. Can you name the last or the, the last three non quarterbacks to win MVP? Uh, AP. AP. Uh,. God, dude, this is fucking. <laughs> it's I'm once so... you're on the spot, dude. Yeah, it's tough. On the spot, it's so much better. They're all running backs. Okay. And they're all from the 2000s or later. Okay. All... And then I'll just I leave know it Todd at that. Gurley lost to. Todd Gurley didn't he, win it. He yeah. lost to Brady and yeah. Wentz. Go further back. Not you Mark. Should... No, no. You should know at least one of these guys. Oh, LT. LT. Yeah. There we go. There we go. And then this was the year before LT. This guy won it. We were really young. Running. I back. was like four. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. I don't know. Sean Alexander. Oh okay. Yeah, that one's tougher. I never got that. All right, let's go for. Can you name the four teams that have never appeared in a Super Bowl? Chargers. Oh no. Chargers are one of them. Oh, sorry. I meant to say five. Yes, the Chargers are one of them. Chargers. Jags. Jags, yep. Uh, uh, Texans. Texans, yep. You just need two more. Browns. Browns, yep. Last one. And... They've gotten better recently, but they're known as like a poverty franchise. Lions. Lions, yes, sir. Yeah. You want to go one more? Or you want to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, you got time? <laughs> all right, bet. Besides Tom Brady, what three quarterbacks have the most Super Bowl wins all time? This is a historical one. You got to get Maybe deep like in the back. Joe Montana. Joe Montana is number two. Tied for two, but still the same. Uh, one of them played in the 70s, the other one played in the 80s. Okay. What's that dude from the Colts? Not him, nah. <laughs> Not Unitas, if that's what you're yeah, thinking. <laughs> 70s and 80s quarterback. They're both in broadcasting. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's one of them. And... 
This last guy's the oldest. This is the seventies. He's won the most though. He's won four. In broadcast? Yeah. What what network? If I tell you the network, it's too obvious. <laughs> I think. Okay, Fox. Who's on Fox? That's it's Aikman and Kansas Ty. State alum, I think. I don't know if that's gonna help at all. No, that is not. <laughs> you want me to tell you? Yeah. Terry Bradshaw. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. All right, you want one more? Should have got that. Yeah, yeah. Can I need you hands on a win? Bet. This one's a little tougher, but I think you can get it. Can you name every quarterback to throw for five thousand yards since two thousand? Okay. There's only a couple names that you wouldn't really think, but the rest are pretty, uh-huh. pretty doable. Mahomes. Mahomes has done it twice. Brady. Brady's done it twice. Uh, you got three more Super Bowl champions, one MVP. Drew Brees. Drew Brees, yep. Yeah. He's done it five times. He's done the most. Really? Yeah. Uh, 5,000. Maybe Phil Rivers. I guess it's not Super Champion Nah, No, uh, Phil Rivers didn't do it. 5,000. There is one guy that's known as like more of a gunslinger, and he's like... Oh, Ben Rothfuss. Yep, yep. Uh, and then one more, super careless with the Vaugh. Had a historic re- uh, season two oh, ben, years ago for okay. like all the wrong reasons. Jameis. Jameis, yep, really? yep. Uh, you got you got three more. One of them's won an MVP. One of them's won a Super Bowl. And one of them was drafted within the last five years. I'll just say that. Josh Allen. Too. Nah, he's never done it. Really? He's gone close, yeah. One, one MVP, one Super Bowl, and one in the past yeah. year drafted in yeah. the past five years. Trevor Lawrence, no way. Trevor Lawrence right. didn't do it, no. You're on the right track, though. Uh, who else was drafted that year? No, not someone that year. No way. Who's drafted? Ask me questions. I'll say yes or no. Okay. Bef- drafted before Trevor Lawrence or after? I, um, Wow, I'm getting my years mixed up. Before. What college? If I tell you, it's too obvious. Fuck. He was in the Pac-12. I'll say that. Pac-12. QB drafted recently. Not SC, not Washington, not nope. Oregon. Oh, Herbert. Yeah, oh, come on, bro. You got to know that one. <laughs> uh, you got two more. One Super Bowl champion. Actually, both these guys have won Super Bowls, um, but one of them's won an MVP and the other one hasn't. Both Super Bowl winnings. And man, this is since 2000. This is since 2000. Okay. And don't forget, you can ask me questions. All right, I'll say this. One of them's – this might give it away, yeah. but it's okay. We'll fill the space here. One of them's a University of Tennessee alum. The other one's University of Georgia alum. Georgia – Georgia QB. Oh, Stafford. Yep, yep. Tennessee QB. He's, this one – this is the guy that's – obviously, he's won an MVP before. Since 2000? Yeah. Not that, not that Rose Bowl guy. No, no, no. <laughs> Dude, who went to Tennessee? If I tell you, when I tell you, you're going to be so mad. Oh, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Good <laughs> shit, good shit. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate you, bro. Dude, that was tough. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. I really hope you did enjoy. I know it's a little bit chaotic right now, and I'm not perfect with the trivia by any means, but again, 
I'm hoping to get better and better each and every single week. I'm hoping to grow and expand this podcast, especially on UCSB's campus. So it really did mean a lot if you're making it all the way to the end. I really appreciate your support, but I hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace out, guys.